Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello, folks, and welcome once again to the Tennis Podcast and our latest edition of Olympics Relived. We've already uh, lived through the Olympics 1988 through to the year 2000 in Sydney, and we now arrive at 2004 and Athens, the Olympics return to its birthplace 104 years earlier. Uh, just before we get on to reliving Olympic things, a uh, little bit of news to update you on since uh, our last weekly tennis, actual tennis-based podcast a couple of days ago. Uh, the news we've had is that the entry list is out for the US Open, um, and Rafael Nadal is not on it. He has made uh, an announcement that he will not be playing the US Open. It is for health risk based reasons, um, which I think uh, we all we all respect that. It's obviously disappointing for the tournament that, that Nadal won't be there. First Grand Slam with neither Federer nor Nadal since 1999. Uh, wow. On the women's side, uh, nine of the world's top ten are on the entry list. It's only a number one Ash Barty that's not on it. Obviously, entry list does not mean list of players that are actually definitely going to play. Um, but it's nonetheless, you know, at this early stage, a bit of a boost for the US Open. And the other bit of news we've had is that... Um, as entirely expected, uh, the Madrid Masters and Premier Mandatory tournament has been cancelled. I mean, the writing was on the wall from, f for that, as we discussed on Monday, but it has been formally cancelled. Um, we do understand there's a chance that Kitchbuell, which uh, is a tournament that must get a mention on every tennis podcast, apparently, uh, might now move um, back a week to take up that uh, place in the calendar where Madrid was going to be. Have I said that quickly enough so that we can move on to Olympic stuff <laughs> as soon as possible? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of good players 
all over those entry lists and, and as you say who knows how many of them will end up playing but um and we we knew that the, the likelihood was that Nadal wasn't going to play there was maybe a little bit of doubt about that when Madrid was cancelled perhaps Nadal might have changed his mind but you you said it at the time you felt that if it was a if it was a view on the virus itself and not wanting to travel then it's not going to change and and sure enough he, he made it clear that it was because of of his concerns over the virus he just feels the world isn't ready for for that and he's not comfortable to travel i did sort of slightly wryly smile when i saw the press release from the usta not even including nadal's name in the release not even acknowledging that they're defending their reigning champion was not actually going to be there because of the decision he'd taken and yet they did mention that roger federer wasn't going to be there because of his injury i thought that was poor personally i think just acknowledging the champion would have been a classier thing to have done. And actually, I noticed in Chris Clary's piece overnight in the New York Times that he spoke to the tournament director, Stacey Allister, who took a completely different tack and paid tribute to Rafa um, and said she looked forward to him returning. And I think that that is certainly the, the right way to have, have, have played that. Um, but yeah, we've also seen one or two notes overnight of the protocols that the USTA plan to employ for COVID-19 testing and if somebody tests positive in a in a team or in a or a player themselves and they the player will just be removed from the tournament and will have to to isolate and the words of James Blake really came back to me upon reading those rules of just what it might take even for the tournament if it had a lot of people testing positive and having to be removed from the draw how many could a draw take you know this this something i hadn't really considered before and if you're staying in independent accommodation so electing not to stay in the um sort of official bubble hotels then you have to pay for and be responsible for private security to monitor your bubble adherence uh, which is intense but i suppose slightly reassuring but goodness me it's um it's a lot and and yeah the question remains unanswered of of what the threshold is for that tournament at what's at what stage does do you stop treating it as individual cases and start seeing it as a uh, a hot spot that needs to be needs to be shut down and as depressing as that um, prospect is they they need to have a plan for that scenario mm. and and actually from what we saw in the the notes overnight that were put out on social media unofficially they said they hadn't really come up with a threshold yet it's it sounded like and that they would kind of work that out as it went along they also said they have made positive progress with regard to the quarantining procedures of going back from the United States onwards to the next destination of each player after they're out of the tournament, including the EU. But it didn't sound as though it was a done deal yet. In other news, it is 11am on Wednesday. The newsletter hasn't even gone out yet. And Matt is the only one of us <laughs> whose predi <laughs> prediction for the week is still in the tournament. So for all those of you yearning for some kind of tennis normality, I can confirm that it has returned. <laughs> yes, I, I, I went with uh, Marketa Vondrusheva and was following every moment of her three-hour epic against Kaya Yuvan, who's a very exciting upcoming player who went and dumped Vondrusheva out of the tournament. And Catherine lost Elise Mertens 
in straight sets. Matt, well, you were a bit more clever than both of us, weren't you? I picked Donna Vekic, who had already won her first round match by the time we made the prediction. So I mean, I, I've been stung that way many times before, having made a having made a prediction who's gone out before the newsletter has been sent. So I was I was hoping desperately to avoid a repeat of that in our first predictions for five months. But yes, yeah, thank you, Catherine, for bringing that up. I I couldn't <laughs> bring that up. Sort of is is this the time that I also bring up the fact that you're you're riding high currently on uh, on Fulham Fulham Joy. Is, is is now the time for that? Yes, please. It's it's always the time. Maybe it's always the time. I think the next the next month before you start losing every week is is the time. He sat there quietly for six minutes, Catherine. So impressive. Didn't didn't make a word. Didn't utter a word. I was building up to it. I was building up to it. Matt, would you? For anyone that that doesn't know, uh, Matt's team, Fulham. Uh, won the playoff final at Wembley last night against rivals Brentford and uh, have secured promotion to losing every week in the Premier League, which is the the real prize. Um, would you would you change would you exchange this moment for an Olympic gold? <laughs> um, gosh, I wasn't expecting that question. I mean, it's, it's actually a bit of an Olympic feel to the story with an unlikely goal scoring hero it's it's a he's a kind of person that you don't normally talk about joe bryan who scored fulham's goals is not someone who usually makes headlines for scoring goals and he scored two um but yes i mean my apologies to all non-football fans for sort of basking in this glory but please just allow me my moment to uh, (laughs) (laughs) to do that Um, doesn't get many (laughs) yes I think the Hotman Cup highlights for the time being have been replaced and I'm just watching Joe Bryan's free kick on a loop for the last 12 hours and that that goalkeeper's died (laughs) which comical was the funniest thing I've ever seen on a football field. The ball had gone past him into the net and then he thought, oh, I better dive. And, he, and so he did. Better like make us. it look like I tried. <laughs> and actually, I'll give, I will give this a uh, tennis flavour in that there's a close-up shot of Joe Bryan before he takes the free kick with his tongue out. And it reminded me of what uh, Andre Agassi used to say about Boris Becker's serve, that he was able to read the direction of the serve based on based on the direction that Boris Becker's tongue was pointing. And he uh, he was he was keen never to reveal this information because it was his it was his way of breaking Boris Becker's serve. So he said, and yeah, I noticed that Joe Bryan's tongue was pointing in the direction that he ended up uh, ended up kicking the ball and and, and scoring. So um, yeah, that is niche. A niche tennis connection there for Fulham's so, great moment. Apologies to every tennis podcast listener. Matt is now going to be headhunted by <laughs> football teams who need somebody to identify which way football is going based on I their feel, time. Um, I suddenly feel really lonely. We've had this sort of camaraderie all season of finally all being in the mm. same league and I've been abandoned. Well, whose fault is that? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm not. I'm not seeing remorseful faces here. So let's move on and now talk about. Now we can about... support Reading for 46 games with you, Catherine. Yes. No conflict of interest. I recommend you don't watch those 46 games. We're not going to watch them. Fli- We're just going to flipping sort of, arduous. Just going to look um, at the live scores occasionally. 
Right. The Olympics 2004, um, as I said, 108 years since the first modern Olympics um, and they were returning to their birthplace in Athens. There was only one track and field world record broken. That was in the women's pole vault by Yelena Simbaeva, 4 metres 91. Uh, the defending shooting gold medalist Matthew Emmons was on target to retain his title when in the final stages he shot his opponent's target ending up in eighth uh, he went to no drown way. his sorrows <laughs> <laughs> yeah he went to drown his sorrows in a bar and met the woman who had become his wife oh that's amazing it's good isn't it wow it's good um, I was, I was, I was Felt- very sorry. I was very pleased you said his opponent's target. I was thinking for some <laughs> yeah. terrible moment this was going to be one of those sad news events, and he accidentally shot his opponent. <laughs> <laughs> no, all fine for Matthew Emmons. Hope, hope that marriage is still going strong. Um, Michael Phelps won eight medals, six gold, making him the swimmer with the highest haul at a single games. Brazilian Vandalay Lima was far ahead in the marathon with seven kilometres to go when a defrocked priest leapt from the crowd and started to push and shove him. Uh, Lima ended up third but was awarded a special medal. Does defrocked priest mean naked priest or does it just mean without the special gowns? (laughs) What had he done? (laughs) Trying to work, call that one out. Um, anyway, he got himself a, a two medals there, a bronze and a special medal. 25 Olympians failed doping tests. Seven of them were medalists and 11 of them were weightlifters. Um, and it was the Olympics where, if you remember, two Greek sprinters faked a motorcycle accident to avoid a doping test and were disqualified before competing. I remember that very clearly. David's oh, looking d- blankly. I, I d- it was one of those completely weird stories. I didn't get a chance to follow that much of the Athens Olympics. I mean, it sounds like I missed some <laughs> fantastic stuff. So thank goodness for relive. This is great. It's it's amazing what you say there about um, so many of those doping tests. One of the incredible things is to go on Wikipedia and look at the medal table for an Olympics and then scroll a little bit past it and then look at the revised medal table. And... You know, in the years after, so many medals change. I mean, I think I think GB have ended up with four more medals out of the Athens Olympics based on all the based on all the positive doping tests that have come out retrospectively. And yeah, it's it's quite um, frightening actually how how different the medal table looks when all that's been taken into account. Um, last fact for you, Yang Taeyung was denied gold when the judge incorrectly marked his routine 9.9 instead of 10 in the rhythmic gymnastics. This led to a bronze medal instead of a gold. The IOC refused to overturn the decision because the team had not appealed in time. When you say incorrectly, it just means that they kind of put the wrong thing down? or I guess so. Wow. Yeah. That's extraordinary. I, I was thinking as well how I've seen a few of these athletes who've in the moment not won a medal and then it's been upgraded to a medal mm. because somebody has been caught for doping. And, and I've I've seen a number of them, how how they wrestle with that, how they struggle with not having had the moment. And it, and it, it can never really be put right. A lot of, there's, there's quite not a lot of bitterness um surrounding situations like that which i can absolutely understand i think the the british bobsleigh 
team um, at a recent Winter Games, possibly the Sochi Games in 2014. They they've been upgraded to a to a bronze medal. Everyone's looking at me like you've gone too niche, Catherine. <laughs> too niche. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> okay. In terms of the tennis in 2004, uh, it was the first uh, Olympics since its return where ranking points were awarded uh, and the men's matches were best of three sets until the finals, which were best of five. That's in the singles and the doubles. Um, Justine Ennan, or oh, oh, at that point, actually, she was Justine Ennan Arden, won singles gold against Amelie Moresmo in the final. That, despite playing only one tournament in four and a half months, that was Roland Garros, where she lost in round two. And she was also 5-1 down in the final set against Anastasia Miskina in the semifinals. So kind of, and against the odds, gold medal for, for Justine Ennan Arden uh, in 2004. She said, it's a very moving moment for me coming back to the sport after months of being in pain. It's difficult for you to imagine the states of depression I went through. I realise now how fortunate I am to be able to be on the court. I'm really glad to have had the chance to be able to give 100% out there. I can honestly tell you that I was always dreaming about Grand Slams. But now maybe I change my mind tonight because it's different. You feel like you're playing for the whole country, for the colours of your country. That's something really different. But you're in a Grand Slam and you're alone. Um, which are extremely um, powerful quotes there from Justine Ennan Arden. Well, mm. she's, she's, she's now Ennan, but yeah, at the time Arden. Uh, and Alicia Mollick won the, um, the women's bronze. And I heard an interview with Alicia Mollick earlier this year when she when she admitted that she's lost her medal and she really struggles to talk about it, actually. She's really hurt by the fact that she's lost her medal. I don't think she went into details of the way she lost it, but clearly it makes her incredibly uncomfortable to talk about it, despite the fact that, you know, this is, she described it as the most emotional, proudest moment of her career. And then to have lost the medal is something that she just finds absolutely heartbreaking it was it was it was a real kind of unexpectedly poignant interview i i remember it being earlier in the year which i saw that's really sad um i really feel for her but also something that wouldn't have happened if you'd kept it about your person at all times um <laughs> the the women's doubles gold was won by Li Ting and Sun Tian Tian of China um, it was the first Olympics played by Martina Navratilova, partnering Lisa Raymond in the doubles. 2004, Martina Navratilova, like the queen she is, <laughs> plays her debut Olympic Games. Brilliant. Um, which is awesome. What would she have been there, late 40s? No, mid, mid 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Mid 40s. And they made it to the quarters. I mean, that's, I, 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 I love that. I Quarters. think that's really cool. I mean, and it's some 30 years into her career almost, mm. isn't it? <laughs> I think, Ridiculous. I think she might have won a slam that year. She won one with Leander Pays, didn't she? Yeah. Around yeah, that, they were very around that time. I think, I think they won Wimbledon in oh three. It was very much a stage where she was still somehow successful. Um, now, in terms of this show and the interviews we've got for you, we're going to be focusing on on the men's event because we have spoken to all three medalists in the men's tournament from from Athens 2004 and the doubles 
gold medalist because it's the same person, <laughs> Nicholas Massou, in Athens 04, became the only man ever to have won uh, singles and doubles gold at the same Olympics. Um, just before we, we get on to talk about the, the three medalists, I I will remember this Olympics, aside from, from Nicholas Massou doing, doing what he did, as the one that got away for Roger Federer. It was that loss to, to Thomas Burdick, who was 18 at the time. It was the announcement on the scene of Thomas Burdick. Everyone was saying he's a definite Grand Slam champion in waiting. And it was the absolute peak of Roger Federer's powers. And it was a, a really seismic shock um, at the time. And um, yeah, I'm sure there's a few that he feels got away, but I, I think this is a big one for Roger yeah. Federer that he feels got away. I, I remember Googling Thomas Burdick after that because, <laughs> as I say, I didn't get to, to watch that many of the matches during 04. But you, you're right. I mean, at that stage, Federer would have just won his second Wimbledon and he was he was dominant. He'd won the Australian Open as well. Uh, and he he was just not even losing matches. The, the, he would go through massive spells of dominance where nobody was getting near him and and yeah I'd never I'd I'd probably heard of the name of Thomas Burdick but I'd never seen him play and then you see this very tall guy with a baseball cap and a curly ponytail out the back which he kept for some time which it's hard to remember that now but that's what that's what he looked like and he as you say he just had this this game that looked destined to to make him one of the top players in the world and and it did I mean he he became a contender for many many years but maybe Maybe that was one of his biggest ever wins, given the circumstances. I remember when we did our worst of the big three pod, I looked into this match and it was played on, it wasn't played on the main stadium court and Federer lost in singles and doubles on the same day. He came into the press conference Oof. and said, I wasn't happy with my serve, my forehand, my backhand, my movement. It was a terrible day for me. So, and I think it's one of those which actually at the time, felt like a seismic shock and one that got away. And it's just become even more of one that got away as his career has gone on and he's come close to getting the singles gold medal but not got it. Even more so, this feels mm. like one that's, that slipped through his fingers. Um, even though it wasn't in the final or even in the semi-final, it was very early on in the tournament. But that's just a illustration of just how how dominant he was at the time and he really he really just should have won that event and he wasn't the the only sort of big early upset uh Andy Roddick who had won the US Open of course the the year previously he was the second seed at that tournament he lost in round three to to Fernando Gonzalez the eventual bronze medalist Tim Henman was the fourth seed in Athens uh 04 he lost to Yuri Novak in round one which I don't think will go down as an epic moment of <laughs> If Tim Henman's career. Um, Juan Carlos Ferrero was one of Marty Fish, uh, the silver medalist, one of his victims. He was the fifth seed. David Albandi in the sixth seed, he withdrew ahead of the tournament. Reiner Schuttler, the seventh seed, he lost in round one to. Now it says Andreev here. Is that Igor Andreev mm -hmm. yeah, that's still been, playing? Yeah. yeah. Isn't Igor Andreev still oh, playing? I don't think so. I I've think not he's. Seen him for years. I think I've seen oh, him okay. around, though. Uh, whether he's. I can't remember whether he's coaching or whether he's a a, a, a federation guy uh, somewhere, but I have seen him around. Okay, but no, he doesn't play anymore. 
Oh, I had done a Martina Navratilova on Andreev <laughs> and extended his his career. His name comes um, up though quite a lot because he's had some significant wins. For instance, I think he he broke the the Nadal. He was the last man he to had beat big Nadal moments, on clay didn't he? he could just something. blast mm. past people. He was um, he was for the long time the answer to the quiz question: Who was the last person to beat Nadal on clay? <laughs> Because I think that was that was he, what I was thinking. I think Nad- he beat Nadal, and then Nadal went on to his winning streak of eighty matches or something on clay. Uh, and Marit Safin, who was the ninth seed, he lost in round two to Feliciano Lopez, who is still playing, <laughs> confirmed, <laughs> or given the opportunity, will still be playing, but is is lacking for opportunities at the moment. Um, so yeah, as mentioned there, Nicholas Masu. Um, was the story on the men's side at the 2004 Athens Olympics. He wasn't expecting to be the story. Nobody was expecting him to be the story. He was having a great year. He was ranked just outside the world's top 10. But that is not to say anybody was talking about him as a potential gold medalist, let alone double gold medalist. I had the absolute joy of um, of speaking to him and getting to hear his story of of the 2004 Olympics, and and here it is. Well, for me, I was uh, in three Olympic Games in uh, Sydney, Athens, and Beijing. So for me, to to represent my country in Olympic Games is uh, one of the biggest things that you can 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 do, like a athlete. And uh, the best memories always uh, were like in Olympic Games. For example, in, in, in Sydney 2000, I bring the flag from my country in the open ceremony. So uh, I was really young at that age. I was almost uh, maybe 19 or 20 years old. So I was really, really impressed uh, and, and big for me and for my family and for the Chilean people to, to take the flag in the open ceremony. And then four years after in Athens, uh, well, I, I was with, I arrived there with 24 years old, with better ranking, with more experience. And um, of course, that uh, I arrived there dreaming to to, to win a, a medal. And uh, of course, that uh, there's a lot of pressure because every, the Olympic Games is every four years and you don't have so much time in your career to play so many. So uh, I think that uh, for sure was the best two weeks in my career, my tennis career, because uh, it's something really, really big. And then I fight for, for, for something big to, to put my name in, in, in the history of my country and the history of the, 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 the tennis uh, part. And well, yeah, the two gold medal is really, really amazing feeling. You were seeded 10th, I think in Athens, but, it wasn't your your favorite surface hard courts what what were your expectations going into to that tournament yeah well first of all uh, my biggest results uh, in the biggest tournament was in the hard court um, for example i made finals in madrid in 2003 in indoor carpet uh, my best uh, grand slam was yusov in four round and then uh, the olympic games yes of course that uh, I was uh, fighting for uh, to to be top ten. I was always all the year like number eleven, twelve, eleven, twelve, and I lost some some few matches to get me in in the top ten. And uh, well, after that, I arrived uh, yeah number ten seed um, 
and then after that I, I touched the number nine. So it was also one big dream for me to be top ten in the world, and number nine is incredible. And uh, yeah, my surface, I born on clay. I born on clay in South America, in Chile. At that time, when I was young, we didn't have like a hard course. I think uh, only one in one club that we practice sometimes. But then uh, everything was clay. So at the beginning of my career, uh, when I start to play like uh, in 16, the, some indoor tournaments in, in Europe or under 18, for me it was really difficult at the beginning because uh, I was not used to it. But uh, I always believed that my, my game could be much better and maybe uh, at the same level like I play on clay because because of my shots, because of my movements and because I understand the game. And also I was like uh, positive in that in that part. So, of course, that when I arrived to Athens, I didn't win one match in a whole year on hardcourt. In all the year. So I arrived to the Athens, uh, the Olympic Games and, and no matches I win in all the year in 2004 before that. Okay, I play so good on clay. I won one month before Kitzburg when, when the tournament was like 500. Uh, I was playing good on clay, but something happened that year that I didn't play that well on, on hardcourt. So, of course, that uh, in my mind at the beginning was not so easy because the conditions there in, in, in Athens were so fast. The ball's small, a lot of wind. But uh, you know that in tennis, the confidence is everything. And also in a sport that you are alone there. So I think the the practice the, the days before and the, the atmosphere and when when normally when I play for my country or I do something for my country I increase my level uh, normal in that time so after one one win in the first round against Guga Querten I play really well and then I start to play better and better and better and I play really really amazing in singles and doubles all the week very regular. Did you stay in the athlete's village? Yeah, always. I, I think that's the most important thing. Because uh, when you go, you, when you are in the ATP or playing tournaments, you are always in the hotels and this. And for me, you need to, be, you need to feel the, the atmosphere of a, um, Olympic Games, to be in the Olympic Village, to share time with other athletes. I, 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 I like to, to look a lot at other sports, how they, how they behave, how they practice, go to the gym to see different sports. Because I'm used to see all the tennis players, but to the time with other players, they are waking up at different time, coming back at different time. Uh, so for me, uh, this atmosphere brings you a lot of experience. So I always decide to stay inside and to, to, to share with other athletes, of course, with uh, athletes for my country and other ones. So I'm happy to to decide that all my career. Did you see? Did you have the chance to go and see any other sports? Do you remember feeling inspired by any other athletes in particular? Well, well, in exactly in that in that Olympic Games in Athens, not that much because uh, uh, I was winning and I was playing singles and doubles, singles and doubles, and I we, we stay all day in the in the in the, in the club. So, well, for me, it was the Olympic ceremony, uh, the open ceremony, and uh, and that's it. Uh, I tell you something. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't went to the to to see the city in Athens. Nothing, just from the Olympic villa and uh, the club. 
for the whole 12, 14 days. Uh, after 10 years, on 2014, I came back to Athens to to check the city, to to have good memories, because after 10 years, so I decided to stay there. For example, now, uh, in this week, I'm in Mykonos exactly now. I'm in Greece now. I arrived today in the morning to, to have some holidays this week because uh, I decided to come to Greece. So I, I like it to be to be here. And uh, after the Olympic, uh, Olympic Games, only I came back after 10 years and now again for the first time in Mykonos just to, to, to feel this country that uh, brings, me, brings me a lot of memories. That finals weekend, the, the 10 sets of tennis that you played in, in two days, do you, remember, yeah. do you remember what you were thinking going into that weekend, knowing that you would have the chance to play for two gold medals for your country? Well, I think that every match gave me a lot of confidence and uh, I always prepare in my mind and in my, my practice that one day, maybe I will have to ch- the chance to make something big. And always I dream for that, to win the Davis Cup, for example, to be number one in the world, or to be top 10, or to win a slam, or to win the Olympic Games. So many things, when you are a kid, you dream a lot. And you dream. And dream is for free. But you need to work, you need to believe on yourself, because many people have maybe can have the, the confidence outside, but the most important person to have the confidence is you. So I said to myself, okay, I will prepare always 100% because if in one moment of my career I arrive at an important stage, I need to take it. Don't, 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 don't waste that, uh, the, that moment. So I think that when I arrived to semifinal, when I won against Carlos Moya, and when I won the doubles with Fernando against the Bryans, of course that we were like in semifinal and me in singles and doubles, I said, okay, I'm so close. And uh, I saw the big chance to to make something big. Of course, that uh, was not so easy in some moment of the week because with Fernando, we play a lot. And nar- normally, to maintain the singles and doubles was not so easy. You have to remember also that the Olympic Games before the finals uh, was playing at five sets. So I played for many, many hours. But uh, I worked so hard to maintain the energy to maintain my mind. I was really strong. I really prepared a lot to 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 arrive that stage. So yes, uh, and and the good thing that I, I was not scared. I was not scared to to make something big. Uh, I managed the pres- depression to 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 know that all my country was watching, all the people were following. But uh, I believe. What I did all my life, I believe all what I work in my life to put everything that I have. And maybe I can win, maybe I can lose, but for sure I will give everything. And if I will give everything, I will have a chance. So uh, I was really, really happy that I, I was not scared to, to make something big because I prepare all my life to the, for that. How aware were you? At the time of how big a deal it was in in Chile, in in at home for you, were, were you conscious of that at the time, or did it take some time afterwards to to really realize the significance of what you did? Yes, of course, it's huge. But uh, when you are young, twenty three, twenty four years old, normally, because now I'm forty and I look back, is when you are at that age, you are not that scared to to experiment new things or 
or you are like more, more, you have a lot of, depends on the personality, but at that time you are not that afraid or you are not thinking so much about the situation because everything is new. Maybe at the end of your career, or maybe when you are 30, you look back and you start to think more of the things. So I think that I was completely focused on tennis, completely focused on, on my career. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we arrived, we arrived to Chile after two weeks because we, we, we flew from, uh, we, we, uh, we took the flight from uh, Athens to New York directly. So after the, after US Open, we arrived to Chile and all the people receiving us in the street saying thanks for, for the effort, uh, really, really, uh, uh, Happy the people to to have two Chilean guys, uh, uh, um, young guys fighting for for our country, and uh, I, I I I had the best memories because until today the people uh, support me a lot because of this. They know that every time that I represent my country, I give my best in the good moments and the bad moments, but uh, I feel it a lot. So since I was young. For me, it was really important to represent my country. Uh, until today, I'm the Davis Cup captain. Uh, it doesn't matter in, in, in if I am in my best moment or not, but to represent my country is going to be always uh, one of the most important things that I can make in my life. It was such a late finish after the doubles final yeah. on the Saturday. <laughs> what yeah. time did you get to bed? What was it like after winning that first gold medal the joy but also knowing you had the biggest match of your life yeah, the yeah. next day yeah yeah i had a lot of troubles because uh, we sold it we finished around i, I don't remember the the the, 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 the time but uh, after the final in doubles uh, uh, my week was not finished was not the end i i, I was Okay, I won my first we won the first gold medal of the history of chile with one of my best friends we we born in tennis almost together, and uh, it was really amazing. But the next day, I play again for another opportunity to get another gold medal. So it's, uh, I was really focused that I make everything depressed. Uh, I was like uh, going to make the doping, the anti-doping. So I arrived so late to the to the, the to the villa after to make the treatment, the massage uh, the, with the doctors, with the physios, uh, to eat something. And then the next day, prepared to play against another battle of five sets. So uh, then the next day, also, I made the anti-doping uh, in the morning because some rules, I, I think at noon. And I went to bed at five or six in the morning. So I slept before the final uh, of singles, like all, uh, I think five hours or six hours maximum, plus all the motion, plus, plus all the things. So... Before the final uh, in the singles, I was really, really tired. Uh, you have to think that I play all the week singles, doubles, singles, doubles. So I woke up and my, my energy was not the best. I, f I went for, for the warm up and I didn't feel like, uh, like normal. I have, I had pain in, in, in my, my feet, in my legs. Um, and uh, it was really tough. And uh, in the final also, I, I started so, so pump until 5-0 because I start 5-0 the first set. Then I won 6-3, but then I start to I, then I start to lose my energy. My 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 my, my game was the, not with the power like normally, and yeah, and I start to to fight with that. In some moments better, some moments not. 
and also I had a great player in front like Mardi Fish that was playing so good. But I also, what I told you before, I was fighting against this situation. I was fighting, but I had a lot of confidence because of the winning of the week. And also, in my mind, in, 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 I have like a, the feeling that in one moment I will uh, feel better or I have a second air and then I have to take the chance. Uh, and, uh, and it happens and it happens and uh, for sure to, to win two gold medals and to be the only, the only tennis player in the history to make two gold medals in the same Olympic game is, is, is really incredible feeling because when, when, when you start in this, in this sport or you try to be someone in any work, you always want to, to have something big. So today I look back and I said, okay, I born in Viña del Mar, a small city. Uh, I come from Chile. For us, is that everything is so difficult. We live far. Uh, and okay, but I make, I made everything to be possible to, to make a, a good career. And today I feel like a honor to, to give like a message to the kids of, and to the people from my country that when you want something in your life, you have to fight for your dreams. You never know where, where you can arrive. But the most important thing is to look back and you, you, you stay calm. Okay, I give my best and this is what it is. I, I don't know if you believe in, in destiny or anything like that, but did it, did it feel a bit like that at the time, that it was just sort of meant to be in, in some way? I think that, I think that, uh, of course, that if you, if you don't believe in something and you play tennis because uh, uh, you need to do something, uh, you need passion, you need to, to fight for your things, you need to be different, you need to have personality, you need to, to demonstrate in the court that you want more than nothing to win, more than nothing to fight. And then, of course, I have many, many moments in my life that uh, I didn't play well, that the things go to the other side, that uh, maybe uh, I was complicated because it's normal. The life is like this. Of course, now we are talking this part of the story that is huge, that is big, that is amazing. But to to reach these um, mental things, to to be strong, and all these kind of things, before you have many, many, many uh, stories that you were not like that. And or you were having a lot of problems and you need to fight against this. So I think when I arrived there with 24 years, I was in the certain age because I was young with more experience and I could manage better the, 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 the situations. What were the celebrations like after you won the second gold? Did, did Fernando wait for you to celebrate the, the, the doubles or did he go out on the Saturday? Uh, no, uh, no, no. Uh, I arrived like uh, at that moment. Uh, I remember that I arrived to the Olympic Villa after the final because I made a lot of press. Then I, I went to different places, the mandatory things that you need to do after the, 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 the tournament. So I arrived at, uh, I think around, I finished very late the match. So I think around four or five in the morning. And then my, my tennis coach, Patricio Rodriguez, that he was there with me, he passed away like two, three weeks ago. So uh, he was a really experienced coach. Um, he helped me a lot. And uh, he said to me, okay, 
now this is finished, but we need to go tomorrow in the first flight because now the next week, the next Monday, in seven days, I start the U.S. Open and you're going to have chances to do something big there. So as soon we left the, the, the place and you all start to think the next one, uh, so I, I think that I arrived at five and at 6.30, I left to the, to the hotel. So no celebration. I think uh, only 45 minutes, one hour. I spent time with the, with all the Chileans that they, they stay there in, 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 in Greece, in Athens. And then I left to the hotel because I went to Long Island. I, I, I signed in that tournament. Normally before we have a tournament in Long Island before you seven. And I was there, I think, uh, supposed to play. So I went, I, I traveled from, uh, from Greece to, to Long Island to pull out from the tournament because of the rules. Then I came back to Miami for two, three days to make some things. And then I, I go back to New York, arrive on Thursday and then the tournament starts on Monday. So I think it was uh, the right decision to, 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 to f continue because of course, if we don't have like after seven days, the US Open, maybe I had the chance to stay two, three more days in Greece and to, 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 to know the place and to see other sports or to share more time. But it's sometimes difficult when you have like Olympic Games and US Open only seven days between. Was that hard in some ways, though, not having that time to to reflect on what you had achieved for all the other athletes in other sports. The Olympics is kind of the end of a four-year cycle and, and everything stops for a bit afterwards. They get time, but you had no time. I think that we are used to, to, to be in the, in the tour and playing every week. And uh, for us to play the Olympic Games is something totally different. So we are more used to play in the tour than the Olympic game. Of course, that... Uh, for example, in my, my in my side, I remember that uh, I, that week that I told you I went to Miami, I went to New York because I made so many things. I pulled out from the tournament. Then uh, I make uh, with Fernando. We went to make a live show in Miami. Then we stayed there two days practicing. Then we arrived with a lot of, a lot of attention and was my first my first uh, time. Okay, I was close to to, to be top ten at that time. But when I arrived to New York after the Olympics, of course, it was the first time that I feel so many uh, journalists and people around me and a lot of expe expectation. And of course, that tournament, maybe I was a little bit more stressed than normally. And also inside the court, I was expecting to play uh, normally, maybe the same level that I played the seven days before, but it's uh, a different tournament and different conditions. Uh, maybe a little bit more pressure because it's the first time that they're looking at you more. And uh, yeah, I didn't play in the US Open the way that I play in Athens. I fight a lot, but I was a little bit stressed. I think because of uh, that is normal. It's normal. You need to manage all this kind of situation. And maybe it was the first time in 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 in, uh, in a Grand Slam that I say, okay, I won the Olympic Games. Maybe I have the chance to do something big now. So I was expecting a lot of me. But it's difficult to recover in seven days from all this situation for, for, a, for, a, for a young guy of 24 years old. Of course, I try a lot. I remember I lost in the second round in the US Open with much points in favor. So I lost many, many situations. And I, well, but this is something that uh, is normal in, 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 in our career. Has any, has any feeling in your career ever compared 
been able to compare to that week in Athens? No, no, no because uh, uh, Olympic Games, like I told you at the beginning, is only three, four times, five maximum few athletes that can play or can be in. So if you make a mistake or you lose chances or something go wrong, you need to wait four more years. So the pressure is big, 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 big. And uh, I tell you, like in our country, when we play like uh, Olympic Games or World Team Cups or Davis Cups or ATB Cups or whatever, the people in Chile is very patriot. And uh, since I was really, really young, my parents and my grandparents, they always always put in my mind that you need to, to, to be proud of your country. So uh, I think that uh, uh, the feeling, of course, to win uh, important matches, is you're, you're going to be always happy. But the feeling that uh, to win two gold medals in uh, Olympic Games, for me, was the best and the biggest uh, two weeks of my life. And it was... It it was Chile's Chile's first two gold medals. You won their first ever Olympic gold medal. Yeah. What what did that mean to the country? A lot, a lot. Because I think that 15 years ago, uh, with all these situations on Athens, I think we sent a message. In my case, also with Fernando and me, we we sent a message to the people. And uh, to the kids that when you dream and you want to be something, there is a chance. Always there's a chance. Of course, you need talent, you need passion, you need to work hard and everything. But when you are young, nobody can quit your 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 dreams. Nobody can say no to you if you want to to arrive. If I start to look back when I was five years old and start to see the tournaments on the TV, or when I when I saw at five years old the first Olympic Games in Los Angeles in the United States. Uh, to imagine to be there is a honor. Just to arrive to our Olympic Games is a honor. Then to think to win a medal is, is crazy. And then to win two gold medals and the first ones in the history of your country is really, is really amazing, amazing, because uh, this demonstrates that we always can make bigger things. Depends on how you manage many, many things and how you want. So today, still... They always said, this guy won two Olympic Games, uh, this, 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 and all the story. And everywhere, I think that after Olympic Games, before the Olympic Games, all the people all the people from tennis, maybe they know me, the people around tennis. But then, when I won the Olympic Games, I, I passed to the other stage that is, I was recognized in the, the, the world of sports. Before tennis and then sports, because to, to where you go, to be Olympian champion is is a uh, is something that all the people uh, respect. Of mm-hmm. course, they respect they respect your career, the, your tennis career. But for example, today, everywhere that I go, the first thing that people remember is the Olympic champion. Then, then my 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 career, my tennis career. Then that I won six tournaments. Then that I played good in Madrid. Then that I won one tournament in Europe. And, or, or, or whatever. But first is that, and it's normal. It's normal because it was the biggest thing that I made in my life. I'm more in Chile that they, 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 they follow a lot when, when we always play for our country. Nicolas Masu or, or Fernando Gonzalez, we always represent Chile. But it's different when you play in, a, in, in this, in this kind of a tournament because 
it's, it's just few. Just finally, where um, where do you keep your medals? My medals are in Viña del Mar, where I born, in the house of my mother. I I put it there uh, for the first time, and then only I took it out when when I say bye to to tennis in 2013, when I make a, a, a press conference to say bye for tennis, and I put it in my neck to show to all the the people, and then always uh, keep it in the, in the apartment. Because uh, I prefer to 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 have it with her because I'm traveling all the year and uh, I feel more sure that uh, if the medals are with her. So you never wear them. Only one time, in that that day in uh, August of uh, 2013, to show to the people. Maybe one day again. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> in a special occasion, I will make it again. Uh, and uh, yeah, for me, it's really important that the the the, the, the people, the young people, uh, be proud that one Chilean guy uh, wins the two four, two gold medals in the history, and uh, it's it's a it's example for 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 the uh, what you love, I think. Yeah, slight confusion in his voice when when I ask. You don't, you don't ever wear them. You don't ever just get them out and, <laughs> and parade around the house in them. He's like, what, what are you on about? Why would I do that? Uh, <laughs> Normal people don't do that. <laughs> clearly, subtext, that's what I'd be doing. Um, yeah, it, it's the, the, the second best answer to where do you keep your medals uh, other than, you know, about my person at all times is... At my mum's house, yeah. or at my parents' house, I I do like that. That's very sweet, isn't it? And you can just oh, I loved that you could just. He was reeking of joy. He was like Matt today. He was just <laughs> you know it was it was pouring out of him the yeah. the joy at reliving that that magical week in Athens in '04. And I loved that. I loved that he went back ten years later and. Um, decided to get to know the city a bit better and properly acquaint himself with it. And, you know, he obviously feels this incredible connection with, with that place now. It's all it's all very romantic and, and magical. We, we went a pretty roundabout route in order to get that interview uh, through a, a number of different parties. And the moment we got his number, I mean, there was no issue from him. He'd never heard of us from Adam, I don't think. But he was quite happy to do the interview and, and, and as you hear, just talk, so with such warmth and passion and an affection for that period in his life and and it'll be with him forever which is which is quite heartwarming i I should just say i did also ask him uh about the fact that he coaches somebody now that has publicly signaled their intention not to play the olympics and has previously shown very little interest in the olympics and he said look dominic had made and announced that decision before i came on board and started working with him he was extremely respectful of that decision he said look dominic loves playing for his country he said dominic feels a big attachment to the kitchball event and and i and i respect that but he also he he did imply that it would be something they would be discussing 
Um, I, I, I wanted him to say, yeah, he's an idiot. I will, I will make him realize what he's what he's missing out on. But he was far too nice and respectful for <laughs> for that. But I, I do just wonder. I do just wonder when they do have that conversation whether whether Dominic's mind will be changed at all. Possibly not. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Should we hear from the man that he beat in that gold medal match. Um, and I say this with with slight trepidation because I really enjoyed my my 45 minutes chatting to, to Marty Fish. He's another very interesting, thoughtful, articulate bloke. But the, the, the 10 or so minutes we spent talking about that match and about winning a, a medal for his country, an, unex, an unexpected medal, were quite painful and quite, quite tough actually it was clearly clearly something that still hurts for Marty Fish um and you might think why he won a medal well he'll explain why um because yeah for him it feels like one that got away rather than one something that he won um and uh, yeah I asked him where where that balance is between the joy of winning a medal and the despair and disappointment at it not being the gold. It's uh, there. It's tough to find, um, to be honest. Um, it, you know, in the moment, I sort of felt like, okay, you know, I'm really up, really bummed right now. But in time, it'll be really amazing to bring this medal back and sort of share it with my family and friends. And 
Um, I never really, uh, that never really happened. Um, I never really felt like, okay, um, let me show this thing off. Um, and, uh, let me show my second place off and it just didn't feel right. Um, I sort of even felt like third, you know, like bronze medal, at least you win that match. Um, Fernando Gonzalez beat Taylor Dent in that, uh, third and fourth playoff and, Fernando won his match to win his medal. I lost my match to get my medal. So it felt, it felt odd. Um, the other thing too, is that people maybe not understand is that, um, they give you a, an Olympic ring, regardless of if you're an Olympic athlete, um, and you can, you know, you can put a, a one diamond in there for an extra two hundred dollars or whatever. But you, you know, you, they they put your sport and they put your name on it. And if you're lucky enough to win a medal, they'll put your what you won on there, and they send it to you after the fact, obviously. And um, uh, so I got my med- or my ring in the mail, and it said gold medalist on it. And I uh, initially was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. I got a gold medal ring, you know, and I put it on. I'll never forget this. I put it on one time. I went to the supermarket just to get, you know, something and some groceries for the house and had it on. And I remember checking out and I looked down at it and I'm like, what are you doing wearing this thing? Like, you are not a gold medalist. Why are you wearing this? And I never put it on again. I actually don't know where it is um, anymore. So it was kind of a bummer to not get to to not win the gold medal. Then I got my ring and said gold medalist. You should have asked for an exchange. So you got the right one. Yeah, maybe Nick got the uh, <laughs> Nico got the the silver medal. Uh, I, I spoke to ring. him this morning and he didn't mention it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I should send it to him. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you remember Do you remember how you felt on the podium? I do. Yeah, I do. I was, um, the pictures say it all. Cause I've, I've seen the pictures before a few times. Um, uh, uh, sort of devastated is, is an understatement. Um, uh, they threw up the, 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 the song right after we are the champions, the queen, you know, um, you know, for Nicholas and, um, and, uh, I'll never forget that. It's one of my, least favorite songs now and i used to like the song um yeah so there's a you know and 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 there's a lot of a lot of look it was some of my greatest memories of my life on the tennis court and in turn some of my worst memories on the tennis court all in one event um uh i never went back to an olympics um i could have gone in 08 i could have gone in 2012 in London. Um, and I never went back, uh, um, mostly because I thought that, um, I probably wouldn't be winning a gold medal again or, or having the chance of putting myself in that position again. Um, partly because, you know, just saying, look, I've been there, I've done that. It was an amazing experience, one that I'll never forget, obviously. And, and I'll just take that with me. And, um, mostly because of the scar tissue from, you know, from sort of having it in my hands and then sort of letting it slip away. And um, I just felt like I didn't want to rehash those feelings. And so I never went back. Was was that a, particularly in 2008, I suppose, was that a, a tough decision not to go back? Not or was re- it pretty? Not pretty really. Clear? Not really. I mean, if, if, if the, um, 
look, my I, I love uh, going to London, and so if that one was if '08, if if they were in '08 instead of 2012, um, I may have may have had you know Beijing is a fairly um, uh, is very different from uh, from you know what obviously we are used to even even you in in London or I'm, I'm assuming you're in London over oh, yeah, there or yeah. the UK and and. Uh, it's just very different and um, not um, one of my favorite places to go and to play. So it was it, that was a fairly easy decision. The 2012 was also fairly easy in a sense that I was in a different place in my career. I was in the top 10 in the world and I was I was in a position at that point to um, I'd worked so hard to get into the top 10 in the world and, and changed uh, my lifestyle around really. Um and uh, that was my opportunity to sort of uh, to sort of collect um, and make a bunch of money in um, appearance fees. And so I um, I chose that honestly over the Olympics. I chose um, playing in a few events that um, would pay me a bunch of money to play in, and and I felt like that was my opportunity to really. Um, you know, sort of, uh, uh, think about my future a little bit and, and, uh, think about, I was married at the time, at, you know, by then. And, and so I had a family on the, on the way that, uh, that I wanted to be able to take care of and, and being able to set aside a bunch of money from a few events, uh, and not go back to the Olympics again was uh, a fairly easy choice for me and at no, the time. And no regrets. No, no, um, no. Um, would have, would the Olympics at Wimbledon have been amazing? Of course, of course. Um, and grass courts uh, for me were a, a nice, would have been a nice opportunity. I would have loved to have played some doubles as well. A doubles is, is always uh, a fun for me and I've always played well or done well in doubles. So that would have been maybe my, um, my biggest opportunity to, to win a gold medal. But again, I've, I've, I have a medal and uh, if I didn't have a medal, maybe that would have been different. If I would have lost in the first round against Jonas Bjorkman, I probably would have played in three or four Olympics, but, um, but I didn't. And uh, I have a medal and, and no one can take it away from me, but um, I don't have that coveted gold that, that I really wanted. Where do you keep the medal? It's in my safe um, here at the house. And, um, it doesn't come out very often. I, I think I, um, as a joke, uh, I've got one of those Peloton treadmills and my, my buddy, one of my best friends from home, um, has one as well. And they have this new thing called the video chat where you can chat or you can video and work out in the same workout mm -hmm. together. And we had planned this workout and, uh, I jumped on there without a shirt on and I put my metal, I had my metal around my uh, neck as a joke um, you know, to sort of start running with them because we were going to race, you know, we were like in a, it was in a competition. So I figured that would have been kind of funny. So I did that to him. So that's the last time I've done that. That was, that was, I don't know, eight months ago or so, six months ago. So that's a um, great that, it doesn't come off. Yeah. It doesn't come, it doesn't come out too often, unfortunately. And I haven't, uh, you know, it's not one of those things you can sort of lose and then replace like a watch or something. Um, you don't get another one if you lose it. So, um, I don't have it, you know, out to show or anything in my house. Um, so I don't know, just kind of sits in my sits in my safe. Use of medals as props in practical jokes is also something that I will accept. Um, but 
Yeah, I'm not sure about the safe. I mean, it's true. It's, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's fitting <laughs> with, with his experience, though, isn't it? It yeah. just sits in my safe. And mm. what, what more is there to say? That's, that's where it stands in his, his life. It's, it's hard for him to look at it, I think. Yeah, and I should say those photos that he referenced when I asked him whether he remembered being on the podium and he said, yeah, well, I've looked at the photos since then and they sum it up. So he'd kind of prepared me for how gut-wrenching those photos were going to be. And nonetheless, when we when Matt dug them out yesterday, they still punched me in the gut. They are harrowing to look at. I, I love it. I love it when... It's like in the Oscars when when a loser doesn't bother with their magnanimous, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so pleased for my rival nominee face. It's just the best thing. And he is not bothering to disguise how disgusted he is with that moment and the, the colour of the medal around his neck in that moment because he thinks it was was his to lose. And, and he feels he lost the gold rather than winning the silver. And as you pointed out, made all the worse by the fact that he's got to wear that wreath on his head, which really kind of should be reserved for the winners, I think. And I think if you if you wear that, having in a moment of disappointment, it just sort of adds to adds to the slight humiliation. Even though it isn't a humiliation, he's won a he's won a silver medal at the Olympics. But um, yeah, you've lost a tennis match. You have to to stick around and receive recognition of that. Uh, whilst wearing fancy dress, it's not it's not necessarily the uh, the situation you want. And if check, we will will be posting those photos on our on our social media channels if you if you want to see them because they're. I mean, they do as Marty said that they tell the whole story, especially as and we'll we'll be hearing from Fernando Gonzalez shortly, especially as it was Masu and Gonzalez mm. who had won the doubles gold together the day before that were that were first and, and third so next to one another on the podium and they're sharing this moment they're sharing this joy and and Gonzalez is delighted with his bronze um and delighted with with that moment on the podium with his doubles partner and all of that and and he just cuts such a lonely out of place figure mm. does Marty Fish it's it looks a bit like really when, when, when you and Matt went to a Fulham Reading match last year together <laughs> <laughs> and uh and Fulham won and uh Catherine didn't look happy <laughs> it, although on that day I was actually the lonely figure because I was uh yeah I was a Fulham fan among Reading fans having to suppress my joy well, you, well you you were only, that was only the case until half time and all of the running fans exited <laughs> yes, and not to return. <laughs> it's anyway. It's um it's really fascinating to hear those two interviews back to back. Obviously most obviously for the for the difference in their voice and their experience at those Olympics. But I thought there was also something really interesting about how they're quite similar ages, Masu and Fish. I think it's only a couple of years between them. And you asked Fish in another portion that, of that interview whether, as you said, it was the one that got away, whether he had any regrets about the actual match he played in the final because he lost it from from a, two sets to one up and a breakup. And he said he didn't actually have any regrets about the tennis he played, but what he regretted was not having the maturity to recognise the moment and recognising that it might not come again. Whereas... Masu talking in that interview there 
was so appreciative of the moment and knew that he'd been kind of dreaming of this moment and didn't let the magnitude of it get to him, but actually embraced it and managed to find something within himself that was extra because it was the Olympics and because he'd built it up in his mind. And I just thought it was an interesting contrast in those two very different approaches to the same match um, and just and just the and just the part and the role that the Olympics played in their respective careers I thought was was neatly summarized in their reactions to it absolutely I mean the fact that Marty Fish never played another Olympics I find extraordinary and although it was sort of different reasoning for for 08 and and 2012 he he does reference the scar tissue from Athens being kind of the the primary reason why he didn't feel compelled to return um so yeah just as a, a measure of how tough that loss was for him um let's hear from Fernando Gonzalez now um talking about his experience of that that Athens Olympics he left with a gold from the doubles and a bronze from from the singles he lost out to to Marty Fish in in the semi-finals um and David David asked him about that loss. It was one of the worst days of my career life, you know, and uh, I was really sad. And the next day I have to came over to play for the bronze medal in singles and the gold medal in doubles. So in 24 hours, I have a lot of different feelings. You know, I was really disappointed, sad one day. And the next day I get the, the bronze medal. We... I beat uh, Taylor Dent 16-14 in the third set, saving a couple of match points. And then I, I almost I didn't have rest because uh, it was the ladies' final and it was really quick. We have to play best of five sets and the final, uh, doubles final. So I was really tired and Nicolas was really important that because he had a lot of energy. And and again, we saved four match points. We, we was... Uh, 6-2 down in the tiebreak in the fourth set. So it was, I mean, it was incredible because every time I won a medal, I saved a couple of match points. <laughs> it is incredible, isn't it? I was watching those scenes. I I just wonder, what ha, have you ever felt like that on a tennis court anywhere else? This was completely different because it was, for my country, it was really, really huge. It's one of the best moments of the history of my country. I don't want to say this is the most important one, but it's one of the most. And um, and after when we came back to Chile, was I mean, I never dreamed with this. You know, we was in a in a in a cabriolet bus, and the people was uh, on the city on the street. Uh, I mean, say hi to us. I mean, thousands of people. And uh, it was really, everything was so quick because we played that in one week, playing singles and doubles, singles and doubles. And, and the people start to get uh, really excited during, the, during that week in, in our country. So, of course, the Grand Slams for me are the best, but the Olympic Games, I did better, maybe. And, uh, and the people in Chile, I mean, they always remember about this. And what Nicholas went on to do and winning the the singles gold as well. I mean, what what do you think about what he achieved? Well, it was unbelievable. It was a really, really great effort. To to be honest, I wish 
I can be there. I wish I can play that final. But uh, but of course, I mean, he, of course, by, by far that, that was the best time of his career. Um, winning singles and doubles in the same Olympics, nobody else did it. I mean, maybe Rafa, he won in singles, he won in doubles, but in a different games. In the same games, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, I mean, he did a really, really good job, Nicolas. How do you think he did it? Nicolas has a lot of uh, great... Uh, he's a great fighter, first of all. I mean, maybe he don't have the best serve, he don't have the best backhand, he don't have the best forehand. He has really good shots. But the way that he competes, I mean, it's, it's really incredible because uh, he, that's, that's why he did it, I think. Because after to play, after playing singles and doubles with a lot of pressure, uh, I say a lot of pressure because we are from the small country uh, talking about sports, you know. Um, but I mean, the way that he fights, uh, the way that he thinks that he can do it, I think that's why he did it, you know. And and of course, he started, I mean, he had a really tough draw in the beginning of the tournament. Uh, and then, I mean, he started to play better and better. Mm. It, it shows the magic of the Olympics, but it also shows the highs and lows, doesn't it? Because there were you feeling really sad that you lost to Marty Fish. And then you win the bronze, and then you win the doubles gold, and Mardi plays against Nicholas, and he he misses out, just misses out on the gold medal in in the singles. It's so so many highs and lows, isn't it? Yeah, because normally in the regular tournament, I mean, you don't play for the third place. You know, it was it was really strange for me to play for the bronze because. I don't play anymore normally in the tournament, but you have you still have the chance to win a medal, and and that's why that's why I went to the Olympics to get the medal. I don't care anyone, of course. If you get a goal, it's way better, but but uh, that's the magic from the Olympics because I mean on the tour normally I stay by my own in the room. In in the Olympics, I have to share the room with Nicolas, and he was so happy because he have to play the final the next day and I was really sad because I I have the chance to do it also but I have to play for the bronze uh, and of course the, the Olympic village the atmosphere is incredible it's incredible that you can spend time with other uh, disciplines other country other cultures other realities even if you're same country other realities of the sports you know and and it's the, I think the Olympic Village and the Olympic Games are the soul of the sport. The soul of the sport. That's something I can uh, can get on board with. It's, it's so nice to hear from him. Um, su- such a nice-seeming bloke. I, I just want to correct a point of fact uh, from that. Nicholas Masu is the only man to have won singles and doubles gold at the same Olympics. But, of course, both the, the Williams sisters have done that. Venus did it in... 2000 and Serena did it uh, in London in in 2012 but yeah Masu is is the only man to have achieved that and imagine if it had been an all Chilean final I mean it's all I suppose maybe it's it's I mean not for Gonzalez but maybe it's better that that it that it wasn't and actually I I don't know I'm really the, the more I hear these interviews the more I really think there's something in this losing a silver winning a bronze thing 
I think I'd rather have the bronze. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. The, the bronze medal winners do seem happier than the mm. silver medal defeated players. Um, and actually, Masu and Gonzalez were sharing a room. I mean, imagine imagine what that would have been like if they'd have gone back to the the room the night before the Olympic final that they're playing against each other, and then and what if they fell out, and then and then they've got to play the the doubles. So, mind you, they played the doubles before, but anyway, didn't happen like that. Um, it is, I think, because I didn't get chance to follow that particular Olympics in great detail at the time. I saw these results coming through, but I worked in tennis. The idea that Nicolas Massou was doing this just seemed absurd. It it was unthinkable before the event that he would win gold medal in either event to me. And and so it was magical. A man with the the least glamorous and impressive nickname of all sports people, I think, to have achieved great success. What is it? What is his nickname? Well it was the squirrel. <laughs> I like it <laughs> because of his his long bushy brown ponytail, like a squirrel's tail. Well, I, I assume that's why it was. I, I can't identify. I don't know Nicholas Massu well enough to know if he has other character traits that uh, are akin to a squirrel. Um, so he's ahead of the time for UTS. Yeah, yeah. Even Nicholas Massu Grigor <laughs> has a nickname. Uh, yeah. Some who was the there was a mosquito wasn't there but that Ferrero. even yeah mosquitoes are killers though I still think that's more you know squirrels just eat nuts <laughs> <laughs> Maybe anyway more. there we go <laughs> there we go I there can what be a, a lovely mean ones out there you know squirrels can turn nasty I've heard the grey ones the grey ones can be nasty can they that's what I've heard the red ones are nice from who. I think the grey ones are just more common, aren't they? It's just what I'm getting from squirrel okay. circles. Well, you and Rosie are on the same page then, because Rosie is on a, a one-dog mission to hunt down the uh, the country squirrel population. She's, her success rate is currently 0%, but she's very <laughs> committed, committed to the cause. Um, so that is the Olympics 2004. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. We are, the good news is we're approaching now sort of Matt's memory vault. 2008, Matt, have you got much for that? Yes, Beijing, uh, Beijing yeah. is, is my time. Matt's, Matt's <laughs> alive. He's got memories. It's going to be great. Join us uh, tomorrow. These coming out daily. I think they are, aren't they? Uh, join us tomorrow for Beijing 2008 Relived, another one that got away for Roger Federer. We'll see you then. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.